man was talking to his parents on New Year's Day, and he asked his father, what is your New Year's resolution? And his dad said proudly, to make your mother as happy as I can all year long. He looked to his mom and said, what is your New Year's resolution? And she said, to make sure your father keeps his New Year's resolution. Whether you made resolutions or not, the new year is here. God has given us another year to seek him and to serve him and to share him with others. No matter what this new year holds for us, we begin our journey with the promises of God to encourage us and the power of God to strengthen us to walk by faith in God day by day. The words the Lord shared with Joshua years ago are still true for us today. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As followers of Jesus, we know the Lord is with us. Tell your neighbor the Lord is with us. We know this truth as followers of Jesus Christ. Now I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 119. The Old Testament book of Psalms is a favorite of many people today. The English word Psalms comes from the Greek word for Psalms, which means songs. The Hebrew word for Psalms means praises. The Psalms were written not only because of the guidance, instruction, and wisdom they provide for us, but they were also written to be sung as songs of praise and worship to God from followers of God. The Psalms express the different emotions of followers of God as we walk by faith in God day by day. One Bible scholar said about the Psalms, the book of Psalms uh, has been a source of instruction, comfort, and blessing for the people of God by teaching his people how to worship, serve, and glorify God forever. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 contains 176 verses. This psalm is longer than many of the books in the Bible. Psalm 119 is a wisdom psalm. It provides us with the guidance and instruction we need to live out our faith in God day by day. Psalm 119 also places an emphasis on the Word of God in our daily lives. And we'll see that play out in our time together. I'm starting a new series this morning entitled 119. We are starting and we'll be spending January 2019 in Psalm 119. We're going to focus on one verse in Psalm 119 in particular because I believe God wants to use this psalm, this verse in this psalm, to challenge us, to prepare us, to encourage us, to get us ready for all that he has for us in this new year. I'm convinced God wants us to pray this verse 
throughout this year, and I'm convinced that God will answer our prayer as we pray this verse to him throughout this new year. Psalm 119, verse 18, open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. Say that with me. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. This is a simple prayer. This is an important prayer. This is a specific prayer. This is an exciting prayer. This is a prayer that expresses our desire for spiritual illumination. God, help me see your truth. This is a prayer that helps to express our desire for spiritual understanding. God, help me to know your truth. This is a prayer that helps to express our desire for spiritual faithfulness. God, help me to obey this truth, your truth. This is a prayer that helps to express our desire for spiritual effectiveness. God, help me to share your truth. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. This word open in the Hebrew language is from the word galah, and it means to uncover, to make known. It means to reveal or to show. It's a piel imperative, which is an intense command, a command with some intensity. Open my eyes, therefore, is the call, the cry, the command of the child of God who understands they desperately need the help, understanding, wisdom, guidance, and instruction that they can receive from God. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. This prayer is also the prayer of the poor in spirit. In the book of Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament, Jesus began his teaching on the Beatitudes, which are the attitudes that are to be a part of our lives, our day-to-day lives as followers of Jesus. He opened his teaching with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And so we see in the New Testament, there are two terms that were used, uh, that were translated poor uh, in our English language. The first is penaros, and that describes a person who works hard. It describes a person who is not rich, but they're also not poor. It describes a person who has some money to meet their needs. They have something to offer. Penaros, translated poor in the New Testament. Second word is tohas, And it describes someone who is lowly, needy, and powerless. Someone who has nothing to offer. Tohas describes the person, the imagery behind this word in the original Greek language, describes a person who is begging for their daily needs to be met because they have no ability to meet their needs. They have no means to meet their own needs. Jesus used Tohas in this beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the tohas, the poor in spirit. You see, the poor in spirit know they cannot meet their spiritual needs. The poor in spirit know they are helpless 
without God. The poor in spirit know they are hopeless without God. The poor in spirit know they are totally dependent on God. The poor in spirit in a relationship with God by God's grace alone, through their faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. The poor in spirit pray, open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. As followers of Jesus, we are the poor in spirit. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be the poor in spirit. As followers of Jesus, we should pray, open my eyes, God. Open my eyes, God, so that I may see wonderful things in your law. So the first question is real simple. Why should we ask God to open our eyes? Why should we ask God to open our eyes? The simple answer is this. We cannot understand God's supernatural truth with our natural minds. We cannot understand God's supernatural truth with our natural minds. We can't open God's word and see it clearly with our eyes. We can't open God's word and understand it completely with our minds. We can't open God's word and obey it faithfully with our strength. We cannot understand God's supernatural truth with our natural minds. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul was writing to the believers in the church in Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 17 through 19, if you're taking notes, jot these passages down. I'm going to hit quite a few verses here over the next few minutes. So if you're taking notes, just jot these down. If you want to turn and and follow along, you're welcome to do that. We're going to move fairly quickly. In verse 17, the Apostle Paul wrote, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart, say that with me, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength. The Apostle Paul loved the believers in the church in Ephesus. The Apostle Paul prayed for the believers of the church in Ephesus. Paul thanked God for the believers in the church in Ephesus. And we see here in this passage, Paul asked God uh, to give the believers in the church in Ephesus a spirit of wisdom and knowledge of God. Paul asked God to open the eyes of the hearts of the believers in the church in Ephesus so they could see the hope of God's calling in Jesus, the riches of God's blessings in Jesus, and the greatness of God's power in Jesus. Paul asked God to open the spiritual eyes of the believers and the church in Ephesus so they could see, understand, and obey God's supernatural truth. Open their spiritual eyes, God. We cannot understand God's supernatural truth with our natural minds. We need God's help to see, understand, and obey his supernatural truth. The good news for us this morning is God opens our spiritual eyes by the power of his Holy Spirit 
whom he placed in us when he saved us by his grace through our faith in Jesus. God gives us the help we need. God opens our eyes so that we can see, understand, and obey his supernatural truth by his Holy Spirit in us, whom he placed in us when he saved us. The Apostle Paul talked about this in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1. If you just look at verse 13, he said these words, in him, meaning in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him, in Christ, when you believe, they placed their faith in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. God sealed us with his Holy Spirit the moment he saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. That's a huge amen part right there. That is a shout hallelujah part right there. We are not alone. We have God's Holy Spirit, and he lives in us. He takes residence in us. He dwells in us. Now listen, Jesus told us the Holy Spirit of God is with us forever. Jesus told us the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. In John, John's gospel, in John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus said these words, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things. How many things? All things. And remind you of everything I have told you. In chapter 16, in verse 13, we see that Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit of truth teaches us the word of truth. The Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us opens our eyes so we can see God's supernatural truth. The Holy Spirit opens our minds so that we can understand God's supernatural truth. The Holy Spirit in us empowers us so that we can obey God's supernatural truth. Paul talked about this as he was writing to the believers of the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13, Paul wrote these words. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. In order to, for us to know what has been freely given to us by God. So we receive the Holy Spirit so that we can know, so that we can see, understand, obey, so that we can know God's truth, the wonderful things in his word, so that we can know what has been freely given to us by God, his word, his truth understanding him. And then he says in verse 13, we also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Say that last phrase, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. This is awesome. The Holy Spirit explains God's supernatural truth to God's supernaturally saved people, including you and me. That's us. That's us. Jesus said, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to the cross. You're not going to get all of this now, but afterwards you'll understand. I'm going to the cross. I'll be buried. I'll rise again on the third day. I'm going to ascend and leave you guys, but don't worry. When I get to heaven, I'll ask the Father, and he'll send another counsel to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit of truth. 
You see, Jesus departed. They had had Jesus with them all the time, and he knew they were going to freak out when he left them because they'd be all alone. But Jesus said, you're not going to be all alone. And the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in the believers at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit dwells in you and me at the moment of our salvation. We're not alone. We're not alone. This is good news for us. I love what the late great pastor and author Adrian Rogers said about the Word of God. He said this, it took a supernatural miracle to reveal it. It took a supernatural miracle to write it. And it will take a supernatural miracle for you to understand it. And that is so true for you and me today. So here's where we are. What an awesome message to start the new year of 2019. What an awesome message. God wants to show us his truth. God wants to reveal his truth to us. God wants to uncover, to make known, to open our eyes to the wonderful truth in his word. God wants to show us his truth. Tell your neighbor, God wants to show you his truth. This is awesome. This is amazing. So here's what we need to understand. Every time we open God's word in this new year, we should pray, open my eyes so that I may see wonderful, wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes, God, so that I may see wonderful truths in your word. Open my eyes so I may see and understand and obey the amazing, miraculous, fantastic truth of your word. The good news is God will answer this prayer. The psalmist told us, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. And so we know and understand as we pray this prayer, God will answer this prayer. Almighty God, so I stop even right now. And Father, I pray as you are in the process of opening our eyes, as you have been this entire morning, I pray that you would continue to open our eyes as we Finish this time in your word as we reflect on your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look forward to all that's in store in this new year. As we deal and face the challenges that we're facing already in this new year. As we continue to reap the blessings of obedience to you in this new year. Father God, we ask that you would open our eyes so that we may see the wonderful truths in your word. We thank you that you'll answer this prayer, God. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to see three points about asking God to open our eyes. Three points that are going to be necessary for you and me in this new year about asking God to open our eyes. Number one, this prayer stems from a humble heart. This prayer stems from a humble heart. Open my eyes calls on us to cast off all self-reliance on seeking to understand God's word. And it calls on us to beg God and dependence on God to reveal, to show, to uncover, to make his truth known to us. You see, the proud, the arrogant, the puffed up are too full of themselves and too impressed with themselves and all that they know to pray this prayer. The psalmist back in Psalm 119 shared in verse 21 uh, God, you rebuke the proud. 
We know the Bible teaches us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That the Bible teaches us that pride comes before destruction or comes before a fall. The Bible teaches us as we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up in due time, which is his time, which is the right time. And so we know those who are humble in heart understand they need God's help to understand God's word. And so they are more than willing to pray, God, open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. God, open my eyes so that I may understand the wonderful things in your word. God, open my eyes so that I may obey the wonderful things and truths in your word. God, open my eyes so that I may share the wonderful truths in your word with those you place around me. This prayer stems from a humble heart. Secondly, this prayer stems from a hungry heart. Open my eyes is a prayer of the person who not only wants to know God's word, but they want to know God's word so they can apply God's word in their daily lives. They want to apply it. They're hungry for the word of God. They're hungry for God's truth to permeate their mind, their heart, their being. They're hungry not only to hear from the Lord, but then to walk in the power of the Lord according to the truth of the Lord. Open my eyes comes from a humble heart. Open my eyes comes from a hungry heart. And I would submit to you this morning that the psalmist had a humble heart and the psalmist had a hungry heart. The psalmist prayed, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. The psalmist also, after saying, God, open my eyes, on seven different occasions in Psalm 119, the psalmist said, teach me your statutes. Teach me your word. Teach me your instruction. Give me your truth. The psalmist wrote, open my eyes, and then over and over and over and over again. The psalmist said, teach me. Teach me. I'm hungry for your word. I'm hungry to know so that I can apply your word, God. Let's look at these real quick. Get back to Psalm 119. If you're there, get ready. We're going to move around here. I'm just going to read these seven passages real quick. Psalm 119, verse 12. Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. Verse 26. I told you about my life, and you listened to me. Teach me your statutes. Verse 64. Lord, the earth is filled with your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. Verse 68. You are good, and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. Hold on a second. That's a good verse, isn't it? Woo, look at that now. You are good, and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm, well, verse 124. Where are we at? Where are we at? Verse 124, right here. Deal, deal with your servant based on your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 1, uh, verse 135. Show favor to your servant and teach me your statutes. And then we see verse 171. My lips pour out praise for you. Teach me your statutes. I would say it's safe for us to understand because of these seven passages, but there's multiple other ones here throughout this Psalm 119 that indicate the psalmist was hungry for the word of God because the psalmist knew that he needed to apply the word of God in his life. The same is true for us. God loves to satisfy our hunger to know his word. God loves to satisfy our hunger to understand his word. God loves to satisfy our hunger to obey his word. God loves to open our eyes to wonderful things in his law. God loves to open our eyes 
to the wonderful truths in his word. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. The third point is this prayer stems from a holy heart. Our God is a holy God, and so we know all throughout the word that we're called to be holy as the one who called us is holy, as Peter told us. Those who pray, open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law, have embraced holiness and purity in their lives. The psalmist talked about this just before verse 18. If you look in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9, the psalmist said, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Lord, you may be praised. Teach me your statutes. The Holy Spirit does not condone sin. The Holy Spirit of God does not excuse sin. The Holy Spirit of God does not ignore sin. The Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin. Sin, listen now, sin in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ grieves the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. Sin in our lives as Christ followers grieves the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. Sin in our lives gets in the way of what God is doing in us and through us and around us. It's one of the reasons why the psalmist said, if I had cherished sin in my life, if I had regarded sin in my life, if I had held on to sin in my life, Lord, you would not have heard my prayer. You see, we can't cherish sin in our lives. We can't regard sin in our lives. We can't give a home to a sin or certain sins in our lives and then at the same time expect Almighty God to open our eyes so that we can see the wonderful things in His law. One of the reasons for that is when we're cherished and centered in our lives, we really aren't that concerned about God opening our eyes so that we can see wonderful things in His but we also know that the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin when there is sin in our lives the Holy Spirit of God immediately begins to convict us of that sin why? because God loves us and he wants best for us and he knows sin is not best for us it's a sorry substitute from Satan to stop us from continuing to move forward in our walk and our worship of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin. God wants us to confess our sin because he stands ready to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us of all that unrighteousness, to cleanse us of our sin. And God restores and renews our fellowship with him. Restores us back to that sweet fellowship that we have with our Father God. And so we know and understand that holiness and purity is a must for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. That's a humble prayer. It's a hungry prayer. And it's, a, it's a holy prayer from you and from me. And certainly one of the most wonderful things that we see in the Word of God is the sacrifice 
of his son, our Savior Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. The Bible teaches us that we're all sinners and we have a good grasp on that truth. We've all said, thought, and done things that are against God, against the truth of God's word, that are unpleasing to God. We failed to meet God's mark of perfection and holiness. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our sin against God separates us from God. And there's nothing we can do to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. See, we're in a, a desperate spot. We need help. We need someone who can take away our sin. We need someone who can bring us to God. And the scriptures teach us that Jesus came to this earth years ago to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus came and he met God's standard. He met God's demand for a perfect sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect could be made right with a perfect God. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary in our place, paying the price for our sins. He was buried in the tomb and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and me. Amen. Amen. We can receive forgiveness of sins. We can enter into a relationship with God. We can be made right with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. The wonderful, amazing, miraculous, outstanding truth of the good news of the gospel. Before we receive the Lord's Supper this morning, I want us to just take a few moments and I want each of us to begin, even now, just take a few moments. And I want us to do a couple of things. I want us to take time and I want us to ask God, open my eyes so that I may reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus before we receive the Lord's Supper. Secondly, pray, God, I open my eyes so that I may renew my commitment to Jesus. So those of us who are followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray. Open my eyes, God. Help me to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. Help me to renew my commitment to Jesus. And then, for those who have yet to place your faith in Jesus, I would challenge you to pray, open my eyes, God, so that I may receive your gift of salvation by your grace through my faith in Jesus. The altar is open as it always is. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front to pray with you, to pray for you. I want to encourage you just to spend time with the Father even now. Just praying, getting right with God. I want to encourage you to pray as husbands and wives, as families, maybe as brothers in Christ, as sisters in Christ. I want to encourage you, don't hesitate. Let's move from this place. Let's pray right there where you're seated. Come to the altar and pray together. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes, God. Open my eyes. So I may see the wonderful truth in your word. So that I may understand it. So I may obey it. So that I may share it.